The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Oh, you're looking good this morning. Uh, well, we're going to talk about relationships, right? And this morning we're going to, uh, oh, I got to say this. If your relationships ain't right, then you ain't right. And you know what I discovered? Ain't is a real word. It's in every dictionary I looked under. When I was a kid, you, you weren't supposed to say ain't, but times have changed. So turn to your neighbor and say ain't. And that was a word you just said. Um, so we're talking about if your relationships ain't right, then you ain't right. But before I get into that, it's Christmas season, December 1, right? So I have some Christmas jokes I would like to warm you up with this morning. And I want to dedicate these jokes to my daughter-in-law, Sarah Blunt, because maybe you didn't know this about her. She is a writer. She just wrote her first book, but she's also a joke writer. And early on in their marriage, one day they came over to our house and Josh says, Sarah, tell dad your joke. And said, dad, Sarah just wrote this joke. And so here's her joke, okay? What does the bee say? No, I'm sorry. I'm, let me get this right. Um, what did the bee say when he accidentally pooped on the flower? Poopsie daisy. <laughs> Homage to Sarah. Okay, here's my jokes. Why was Santa's little helper depressed? Because he had very low elf esteem. Did you like that one? Uh, what do you get when you mix a Christmas tree and an iPad? A pineapple. And last but not least, what do rap artists do on Christmas? They unwrap. Unwrap, all right. <laughs> so my, I got a title for this, all right? It's a little corny like my jokes. Have yourself a marriage little Christmas, all right? Okay, <laughs> because listen, if your marriage ain't right, then you ain't right. Marriage is a big, big deal. And, you know, Trudy and I, we travel. We have been doing this for 17 years, traveling around the country. We were in a local church before that that was big on family issues. Now, we've traveled uh, around the United States, other countries, teaching on the, the biblical principles of marriage. And uh, marriage is a big, big deal. And we, I think the reason that we had, have had this in our heart ever since we got saved was because something that we observed. Um, first of all, let me say, when we met Jesus, it was really supernatural. We found out that the God written about in the Bible, Jesus in the Bible, still was alive. He still did everything today that he did back in those days. Trudy experienced a dramatic healing. She had crossed eyes from an accident. Many of you heard that story. It's our story. Tell it all the time. And God healed her eyes one night. Her crossed eyes went straight. Her vision came back 2020. So we are, man, we're turned on to God. And we just want to serve God. And so we had a mentor couple that was about 10 years older than us. And we looked up to them, and they were very charismatic they had a ministry. We watched them kind of from afar, and they began to grow in, in the things of God. They were preachers and teachers. They began with a college ministry, and then they pastored a church. They planted a church, and the church quickly grew to 2,000 people. So they're having great success. But the ministry kind of began to dominate everything they're doing, right? 
And uh, to the point that they were so busy, and after a few years, they got four little kids that are growing up. And, and their kids felt like, you know, that mom and dad, that the, the ministry's taking away my mom and dad. And they were, it wasn't intentional. They didn't mean to do it, but they began to disconnect from their kids. And they had, their youngest daughter was 14, and uh, she began to put on a little weight, and they didn't know why. But then one night, she started having pain. So they took her to the hospital thinking maybe she's having an appendicitis attack. And so the doctor comes out, and the dad says, uh, what's the deal? You're going to have to remove her appendix? And the doctor says, appendix? She's in labor. She's having a baby. And they didn't know it. And you can imagine the shock that happened. And then how that impacted the church they were in. And then it happened again a year later because they were just disconnected. And Trudy and I watched that, and we saw what it did to them, and it hurt their kids. In fact, their kids kind of got bitter at God and thought God was the God that took away my mom and dad. And then their marriage had trouble. And uh, so we watched that from afar, and we just said, we're called by God, but we don't think you have to let that happen. So we were intentional. Uh, as our kids were growing up, we continued to pursue God with them. Uh, we uh, got involved in ministry. I traveled in ministry, but I tried to take my kids when I could. And I tried to work on my marriage, and it wasn't perfect, and we made some mistakes, and our kids weren't perfect, but the result of all that is today, we have a blessed family. I love Thanksgiving. All my family was there. And our family's not perfect, just like your family's not perfect. But our family loves God, and our family's making an impact for the kingdom of God, and that's what we're supposed to do. And it begins in your family, and God will not take away your marriage so you can obey him. And because marriage is, a, uh, is an important thing in your life, it's not a priority, it is preeminent. Or in other words, when it comes to human relationships, the most important one you have is what you're going to have in your marriage. Now, God is number one, right? We learned that last weekend. Jesus wants to be on the throne of your heart. Jesus is Lord. He wants to guide you. He redeems you. I love what uh, Josh Romano preached this morning. So awesome. Jesus, everything that happened to us before has been wiped out by the blood of Jesus. Now you can start all over, but you have to be intentional to connect your marriage because God created marriage on a very high level. It is the first human relationship. It is the only relationship where two different people become one. In marriage, you become one. The only thing like it is your relationship with God where you become one with him and he's in you and you're in him. And how does that work? I'm not really sure. It's kind of mysterious, but marriage is like that. You are joined on every human level when you're married. Spirit, God unites you in spirit when you're married. You, you made those vows to him. Soul, your mind. So what we're going to talk about a lot this morning. You have to learn how each other thinks. Very important to understand how your spouse thinks. And then last of all is physically, your joint. That is the, the physical relationship in marriage has been blessed by God. And that's the only way it's blessed by God. Can I hear a good amen? amen. But marriage is a big, big deal. And uh, we are, has, we, we need to understand marriage has been created on a high level. God told Adam and Eve that I want you to have dominion in life and I want you to be fruitful and multiply and win and have a winning life. This is the will of God for you. We lost that in the fall, but Jesus brought it all back. And now through him, we can have what our marriage is supposed to be. But it's a big, big deal. And we have to understand that we have to invest in it, protect it, 
Watch over it, steward it, and we have to work on our marriage above all else because great marriages don't just happen. They have to be invested in. Put this on your Facebook feed. Let me say this to you. The real lasting success of this church, New Song Church, what's happening here and what will be lasting 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 30 and 40 will be determined how we build the core and foundation of this church, which is marriage and family. So we're talking about Christmas, right? And uh, the, uh, the success of the Christmas story, when you think about it, was based on the obedience and the walking this thing out by two people named Joseph and Mary. So we're going to look in the Christmas story, and we're going to see some key things that they did that tell us how to connect our marriage. So go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Everybody with me this morning? Turn to your neighbor and say, I really like this guy. I don't know what he's going to say, but I like him a lot. Say that. Tell, tell your neighbor. Right? Matthew 1, 18. Here we go. We're going to begin reading. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged, or in the King James Bible, it says, espoused to be married to Joseph. Now, stop right there. Let's talk for a minute about a Jewish uh, marriage and how it worked. There were three different levels to a Jewish marriage. Put them up on the screen, guys. There was engagement, espousal, and then betrothal. And engagement worked like this. It's like uh, all marriages in the Jewish culture were prearranged by the parents. So you got a couple of parents that are friends and they like each other or, or maybe it had something to do with finances or whatever, but they would make an arrangement when the kids were small, even maybe as young as two or three years old, and they would say, we're going to agree that our children will be married. Now, isn't that wild? I mean, you know, that's like we had in our two and three-year-old room this morning. We've got a couple of kids that you walk up to the little boy and you say, yeah, how you doing? He says, yeah, I'm, in, I'm engaged to her I'm, or I'm espoused to her. And, but that's the way it was arranged. So they are determined they're gonna get married and they grow up that way. And then came the second stage, which was engagement. And that's when they came together and usually the age that this happened was around the age of 13 or 14 years old. What did I say? Espousal, I'm sorry. Engagement's first, espousal's second. That's what it said on the deal. Yeah, here we go. So espousal, that means that the parents now come together and they determine what terms that, that we're gonna have for these two to come together. Uh, because it's like this. In the Jewish culture, the boys were raised to help on the farm and they were productive. Their father raised them so they could help them with the work. But the, 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 the girls weren't as involved and so the groom's parents had to come and pay a, a dowry or a price that was determined, determining the worth so that they could come together. And then vows were made, and it was just like when you were a spouse, this is, you're as good as married, except you haven't come together physically. So the last stage of this is betrothal, whenever you're married and physical consummation of the marriage happens. So Mary, at this point, is engaged and espoused to Joseph. Let's go back to verse 18. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot in this. that We get a little more detail about this in the book of Luke. 
And here's what happened. The angel Gabriel comes to her, appears to her, and tells her that, Mary, you are highly favored above all women, and now the power of the Most High God is going to come on you, and you are going to be the mother of the Messiah, which has been prophesied for hundreds and, and thousands of years that there's coming this deliverer. There's going to come somebody. He's going to deliver us from all of our sin and all of our trouble, and he's going to be a king and a champion. And so Mary is the one. But now she has to talk to Joseph about this because look at verse 19. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement, break the engagement quietly. Now, imagine what happened this day. Here's Mary and Gabriel has appeared to her and the power of God's come on her. She's pregnant with the Son of God. But now she's got to explain this to Joseph, right? So she knocks on the door, and here's Joseph. How you doing, babe? And she says, Joseph, hey, uh, you know, having a good day? Um, listen, I got something to tell you. Okay, this is pretty wild. Uh, stay with me here. See, the angel Gabriel appeared to me, and the power of God's come upon me. And Joseph, I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. But no, it's not like that. No, nothing happened. See, the baby's father is God, and so it's okay. But Joseph wasn't buying this. I mean, it's sad. I mean, we, you know, we read this just kind of religiously, but this, these are real people. And they have to walk this out. Because it said that Joseph was going to uh, break the engagement and put her away quietly. Now go to verse 20. It says, as he, Joseph, considered this. Stop right there. Considered this. As Joseph considered this. In other words, Mary left. And now here's Joseph alone, and he's going to put her uh, away quietly because he must have cared a lot about her. He must have loved her, but he wasn't buying her story. But he pulls back to think about it a little while. You know what's really good? When you get upset, really upset about something, something impacts you, don't just act rashly, but pull back and allow God to talk to you and allow God to speak to you. And that's what he did. And so he did that, and because of that, uh, the angel spoke to him, but see, you got to understand what he's facing. The law of Moses said that Mary could have been stoned for, for uh, doing this. In fact, it says this in Deuteronomy twenty two twenty one: If a woman uh, that has been espoused is found to be a virgin, then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones. Did you get that? Because she has done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house. So you shall put away the evil from you. But the angel tells him, don't be afraid to do this. Joseph, he said, uh, uh, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. We'll read the rest of it. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he, he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. So Mary heard from God and now Joseph hears from God. And they go ahead, he marries her, they fulfill their marriage mission, and we'll make a statement about this. Isn't it amazing that 
the salvation of mankind depended on the decision and the faith of these two people. Isn't that incredible? Because God uses people. So there's three things about marriage that I want to talk about this morning that we see in the story of Joseph and Mary. So if you're taking notes, write these things down. Number one, Joseph and Mary tell us there will be conflict in marriage. If you just think, well, I'm going to marry her and it's all, it's all just peaches and cream from here on out. Listen, I, I hate to break your bubble, darling. But if you've been married for a day, you know that ain't going to happen. <laughs> There's going to come some conflict in marriage. And, uh, you know, when I think about this story, I'm, my mind says, how come God didn't get them together and appear to them both at the same time and then we wouldn't ha have had the, this confusion? Why didn't God do it that way? Do you know what the answer is? I don't know. <laughs> it's how he chose to do it. I think maybe he did it that way because both of their faith needed to, to, to be separate and, and united to do what they were called to do. Does that make sense? And we see that there's gonna be conflict in marriage, and the reason a lot of that is, is we were created differently. The Bible tells us that God, when he created the man, took some dirt from the ground, right? And he, he took up this dirt, and he formed this dirt, formed is what the word says, into a human being, and then God <gasps> breathed into this dirt, and it became a man. He blinked his eyes, and the breath of God, which breath represents life, Right? You know, breath is very important to your life. You ever notice that? I just thought about this last night, that, that God breathed into this man. Do you know every day you breathe, it's, it's varied numbers, but it's from like 20,000 to 30,000 breaths every day of your life. Every day of your life. And so I just, I, I got my little calculator out, and I computed last night to my age how many breaths I have taken. And I found out I've breathed, you know, depending on, 20 to 30,000. If I breathe 25, if I've breathed 25,000, I think it worked out to 755 million breaths. You know, God counted every one of my breaths. He knows your breath. Just you sitting here breathing this morning is a testament that God is alive. You're honoring him with your breath because when your breath is gone, you're not here anymore, right? So God put breath in this man. It's an amazing, the breath of God came into this dirt, and now we have a man, came from the dust of the ground. But women didn't come from the dust of the ground. It's interesting. Women came from, their source was the man. Woman was sourced out of the man. And she was taken from the rib of the man, right? That's what it says in the King James. It said rib, but really that's not a really good word. Because when you think about a rib, you think, you know, that's a little bitty bone, and you got rib cage. You got, so it's like, that's kind of insignificant. He just, well, he just took a bone. And you can live without a you can live without a bone, little rib. I mean, you wouldn't go to you wouldn't go to Rudy's today, barbecue restaurant, and say, "Give me a rib." <laughs> Why? It's insignificant. So really, that's not a good word for this. Actually, the word in the Hebrew is the word "the side," or you could say it this way: God cut Adam nearly in two, and pulled out of him this very significant part to be his woman. And she came from the side, which means she's supposed to be beside him. She didn't come from the head because she wasn't to lord it over him. But she didn't come from the feet where he could walk on her and treat her any way he wanted. She's from the side to be honored. 
But another term for the word rib, we're talking about why you have conflict. The word rib actually means this in the Hebrew language. It means for advice. Any lights coming on, guys? Five. That's why when you pull up to the traffic light, and you're the man, you're driving, and you know what you're doing because you know how to drive. You got a license, right? And the light, you know, you're stopped. You stop on rest, so you're waiting, and you know when that light goes green, you're going to move, right? So the light is not green yet. It's pink still, still pink. It's not green. But your wife that came from your, your side and has this advisor thing working in her all the time, whether you want her advice or not, she desires to give you advice. And this advisor thing says, before it's even green, she says, it's green, you can go now. <laughs> yeah, baby, I know, I got eyes, ain't I? Eyes. <laughs> so you have conflict. But what she's trying to do, she wants to help you. Even though it may not always come out just right, she wants to help you. She's for advice. She can't help it. She's got to help you. And you're different. For the most part, as men, we are logical thinkers. Now, I say, let me say generally, because this, this works different in everybody. In fact, sometimes uh, I talk to people, and they're, they're more like the woman that I'm talking about than the man. Or vice. So it's different, okay. But generally, men are more logical thinkers, whereas women are more, are more emotional feelers. When you think about Joseph and Mary, Joseph, it seems like, kind of got more of the natural plan for, for what they were to do. God dealt with him. He had three dreams. One of the dreams is when God told him it was okay to marry her, right? We talked about that. Then the second one was God spoke to him in a dream and said, go to Egypt, and you need to escape Herod. Remember that? And then the third one, Herod had died, and God appears to him in another dream and says, okay, you know, you need to get up, and you need, you need to go back to Israel. So it seems like Joseph got more of the natural plan. But it seems like Mary got more of the spiritual side. Like she, she got what he was supposed to be and what, he was, what Jesus was supposed to do and saw more of his calling. You know, it kind of has seemed to work like that in, in our marriage. Like, like with our kids, it seems like Trudy picked up on uh, things about their future, maybe even, even in more detail than me. I remember when, right before we, she had Josh in 1979, uh, she had had a tough time with her pregnancy, and now she's like a week away from having him. And, and she, I, I can still see her now. We had this blue chair, rocking chair, and she was so big right before he was born. He, he was a big baby. He was twice as big as our daughter was. She was four pounds, two ounces. He was eight pounds, four ounces, double. We got a double portion with him, okay? But, <laughs> but she's sitting there, and we were praying. We were just, you know, praying about something together. In our, she's rocking in that chair, and all of a sudden, the spirit of prophecy came on her. You know, God wants to talk to you. It's just me and her, one service. We're just worshiping God, and the spirit of prophecy came on her, and she laughed out. She just kind of laughed out. This joy hit her. And she began to prophesy, and she said, this baby will be a boy. Now, you got to understand, this is before ultrasound, so, you know, we don't know. You didn't know back then. She had a 50-50 shot, but <laughs> this is going to be a boy. So, and then she said, and then she, she said this, he'll walk in his father's footsteps all the days of his life. She just threw that out. Well, I became a preacher. I wasn't a preacher then, but I became one later. And doggone it, that little boy became a preacher. Pretty good one, right? See, 
God deals with you differently, and you're different. And sometimes that's where conflict comes from. Number two, Joseph and Mary tell us that men are called to lead the family. Let's talk about guys for a minute. Notice Joseph took the leadership in the marriage, and he got the plan. That's what we are called to do as men. Now, not just, you know, I heard from God, and thus saith the Lord, we're going to do this. Come on, woman. No, it doesn't work that way. And yet, we are the ones that set the course and the, and the vision of the family. God's called men to lead. And we have, I think, I see this. Can I just be blunt with you? It's my last name. I'm going to do it. We got too many men that won't step up to the plate and lead in the church. They won't be a man and say, come on, babe. We're going to serve God. Let's go. We're going somewhere with this marriage. How do you lead your wife? It's a good question, right? Go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Because it gives us like the two assignments that you have in your marriage. Ephesians chapter 5, New Testament. And it says that women, uh, we won't read that verse, but you can read it later. It says that women are to submit. Everybody say submit. They're called to submit. Wives, submit unto your husbands. But what does that mean? Let's talk about what that means. Think about the word submit. Mit is from the word mission, or we could say submission. So the woman is designed to be in submission or the word sub means to, to be under. Or, you know, it's like where we get the word submarine means go under the water. So the woman is to be under the mission that God has given to you and the man, right? She, she's supposed to partner. But she does that if it, works with, if it works best whenever the man is doing Ephesians 5.25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So he's telling us how this love works. And the love doesn't work, just, it's not like this. Hey, baby, you're good looking. Come on over here. Like you, darling. Uh-uh. That's, that's romance. Romance is great. You got to have romance. But that's not what love means. The love means actually in the Hebrew word, in the Hebrew language, the word for love or the words for love is I will give. It's about giving. It's about laying down your life. Isn't that what Jesus did? He cared so much for the church, he was willing to give. It wasn't all about him. Jesus didn't come just to show off. He didn't come on a white stallion from heaven declaring, I am the son of God, bow or burn. No, he came to give of his life. And that life now is alive for us to partake of. That, 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 that servant love of Jesus Christ is ours today. So, you know, uh, we got to understand that love means sacrifice. But, but Pastor Ken, you know, I'm a guy, and I like to shoot guns. Yeah, I got a gun. It's fun. And I like to hunt and fish, and I got to go. I got to have my time. Oh, you can do that oh, sometime, but sometimes you need to lay that down. What does your wife need? You can't do that every weekend. Well, I can't come to church every weekend. Pastor Ken, you gotta, I, need, I need my time off, and I need. Listen, you need the Word of God in your life. If you're taking notes, write this down. Come to church every week. You know, we have this thing every Sunday. You can come. And here's the thing. That, that, you know, I've been to churches before, and I would preach something, and the pastor, we'd go back in the office. he said, Pastor Ken, man, you said some things that, that I got a guy and his wife that so needed to be here today, but they weren't here. And you know what? God had a word for them, but they missed it because they weren't faithful to just come to church. Man, I'm preaching good. I like this. We need to do this. 
You know, uh, Mary was pregnant with a purpose for their life, but Joseph had to lead her. Isn't that a powerful statement? She's pregnant. Your wife is pregnant with things, but you got to bring it out of her. She needs to know you care about her. And you draw these things out of her. You need to listen to her. You need to nurture her. You need to protect her. You need to love her. You need to touch her. And notice I didn't say you need to have sex with her. You say, well, Brother Ken, I want to have sex with her. Well, if you do, you need to know that you, she needs to know that you care more about her than her body. And if she does, she probably will have sex with you. You know, when Adam saw Eve that day in the garden, think about it. He wakes up from the anesthesia. He's had major surgery. Half of him has been cut out. But he looks up and something, he had a revelation. And he says, oh, she shall be called woman. I mean, woman. He's never seen anything like this. I know it's a bad joke. You know, all he's been looking at is God said, I'm gonna give you a help me. But all he's seen is like elephants, dogs, Nothing's working for him very well. Giraffe, man, too big a neck on that one. But he sees this woman and says, oh, she shall be called woman. You know what he said? She shall be called the man with the womb. That's what that means. A man with a womb. What does a womb do? Womb brings things forth. Womb processes something, processes a seed, and then gives it back to you better than you gave it to her. Isn't that right? See, you give a woman a seed, she will process it and give you a baby. If you give a woman groceries, she'll process it and give you uh, lunch. If you give her a house, she'll process it and give you a home. If you give her trouble, trouble, she'll process it and give you hell. Some of you have been there before, I can tell. <laughs> but you give her a vision. You say, baby, God's called us to do something. You know what? My wife is so good at that. She's so good at that. All of our lives. She's come to me and I say, honey, I think this is what we're supposed to do. And she say, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. And get, let's get after it. Let's get it done. And there's different stages to your life. There's different chapters there's an adventure in life for both of you, but you need to lead her, and then she'll connect with you. Say, well, what if she doesn't? Well, you can't, I can't guarantee that she will, but most of the time, if you will love her and lead her, I'll say 99.23% of the time. Where do you get that number, Pastor Ken? I just made it up, but... She'll follow you. You can't say 100% of the time because there are bad women written about in the Bible that have bad hearts. But most of the time, if you will lead her, she'll follow you to hell and back. So Joseph and Mary tell us, the last thing, that your marriage is called to bring the Messiah to the earth. What do you mean by that? We're supposed to have a baby Jesus? No. But you're supposed to bring forth the Christ that, that is in you, in your home, you're supposed to bring that out to the world. What would happen in New Song Church 
if our marriages were connected at home, if we're praying together, if we're serving God, if we're going after this thing God's called us to do, if, we're, if life is an adventure, if challenges come and they will with your marriage and with your kids, and sometimes you have disagreement and it ain't always pretty and it ain't perfect, but you just keep on going, what would happen to the world? How could this church affect the world? How could you, what is your part? Because you have a part, because you are the body of Christ. Listen, this is a big deal. We have somewhere we're going in this church, and your marriage is a very important part of it. So God's number one. If your relationships ain't right, then you ain't right. If you're not first right with God. See, God wants to get right in the middle of your marriage. And until he does, you can't go where you're supposed to go. But when Christ is in your marriage, you can. And if your marriage ain't right, then you ain't right. But God wants to make you right. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Father, I pray for the marriages in this room. I pray for people that want to get married, but they're not. I pray for people that have been divorced and there's hurt in their heart. I pray for the healing power of Jesus Christ. And Lord, help them know today that, that even though they've been through some things, that you're not done with them yet. There's another mate on the horizon if that's what they want. Lord, I thank you that wherever we are, we hook, we hook up with you today. I pray for strength for the power of God on them. In Jesus' name, would you stand to your feet with me? We're gonna ask the altar counselors to come right now. We're gonna worship God with another song and just thank him. And let me just say this. We talked about marriage. And uh, if you would like prayer for your marriage, we got these guys coming up. And I'm not talking about counseling for your marriage, okay? Don't come up here and try to say, well, this is happening. No, we can't do that. But we can pray with the power of agreement that God will begin to work in a brand new, fresh way in your marriage. And as I'm saying prayer for your marriage, that doesn't mean that you're having trouble. It's not that you're having trouble and you come up here. You just may say, Pastor Ken, I, I want us to be all that we can be. I, 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 want, I, want, I want us to take a new step. You know, we're, we're going into 2020. Can you believe it? Big years coming. Big things for you, for your marriage, for your family. You just say, I want to be all I can be. I need prayer in agreement for that, whatever that may be. If you need healing in your body, whatever you need prayer for, as we worship the Lord, come up here, and our counselors will agree with you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.